Uh, hello, everyone. I want to welcome you to the latest uh, CRMG podcast. Uh, CRMG is a cyber risk management group. We are a leading uh, cyber risk consultancy based out of London. With me today is uh, Nick Frost, the founder of CRMG, and Andrew Wilson, one of the principal consultants at CRMG. Our topic today is talking about how do we manage supply chain risk when you have thousands of suppliers. This is a becoming a more apparently an ongoing issue for companies across the world. So, Nick, I want to start off with you to get your insight on some on what you see things are at right now, mm-hmm. and how would you tackle the, the issue at, at hand? You know what? When I think back about sort of even ten years ago, the idea of outsourcing, if you like, you know, to a third party, you know, your IT systems or services, just was seen as as kind of ludicrous. You know, you just mm-hmm. wouldn't want to take that risk. Um, but I think quite clearly that has accelerated. I think for a number of reasons. One, I think there has been a big financial attraction in doing so, and I think secondly, organisations have realised that. You know, there are suppliers out there that can handle and provide both a secure service and deliver to the expectations of the company. So I do think there's been a very, very quick evolution when organizations have transformed their IT from an in-house to an outsource. When it comes to information security, I still think that it's very common for um, a lot of organizations that we work with for security to be kind of an uh, 11th hour you know issue mm-hmm. if you like and I sometimes would frame it as an issue because a business sometimes forgets that you know it's necessary to get some some due diligence carried out on the supplier i think it's a very very complex field because you know your suppliers will have suppliers and your supplier suppliers will have suppliers so you have end up with this kind of layers of the onion and it's trying to determine how far you go to do that assessment so it's entirely possible for an organization to actually find its crown jewels spread across a number of suppliers. But, you know, let, I mean, we'll explore this in a bit more detail. But I, I do think it's an area that is becoming more and more important because as these services mature, um, organizations are feeling happier about outsourcing more and more critical services. Well, let me ask you to follow up on that. What are the risks of getting supply chains security wrong? Sure. I think the ultimate one at the, at the pinnacle of all this is the key risk, I think, is that organizations often think that if we outsource a service, we can outsource the risk. And you can't do that. Mm-hmm. So you, you just can't. You can outsource your data. You can outsource your billing process, blah, blah, blah. But it, if that actually gets hit, the risk lies with the, you know, with the mothership, with the organization that's made that decision. So from a very high level, it's important that organizations avoid that by, I guess, just simply appreciating mm-hmm. that you can outsource a service, but you cannot outsource a risk. And that hopefully will then instigate a series of processes to ensure that, you know, your security function, your procurement function really get their arms around what that risk profile is for the supplier. Because, you know, you're, you're handling over something that could be, you know, mission critical for an organization. And whilst it may be a very big name in the organization, highly reputable, you still have to go and understand what those risks are. Because at the end of the day, 
it also comes down to how those risks are translated into contracts, how often you carry out your on-site audits, mm-hmm. and generally, you know, what are your expectations to ensure that you know, your supplier is managing risk to your level and your expectations? Excellent, Nick. Thank you for that. Andrew, over to you. Thank you very much, Todd. I think it's very important um, for security practitioners not, not to get led purely by what appears to be the obvious security challenge. I think what's important is to understand where the business processes are going. And that's the main way to work out where your information is going, who is taking care of it, and what the, uh, the risk is to that information. So that allows you, by mapping on the business processes, to understand whether the risk lies in a Tier 1 organisation, Tier 2, Tier 3 even. And mapping that out is, is a precursor and essential to getting some control of the, um, the information space and, and then being able to ascertain to what extent that information is being properly protected in the organisation. Mm-hmm. All the way through those supply chains, all the way down through those tiers. And the reason why it's important to understand the whole way down is that organisations that are Tier 1 or Tier 2 may be difficult to persuade of their obligations. So it's incumbent upon you to make sure you understand what's happening to your information all the way to the outer reaches of the supply chains as well. Got it. Thanks for that, Andrew. I also found that in terms of what's happening with suppliers is there are more suppliers than ever. They are interconnected to the companies more than ever. Yeah. You know, either through APIs or other different methods. And so you have data being shared with suppliers that wasn't necessarily being shared. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. Go on, sorry. Uh, you so, can so, no, so not only that, it's what type of data is being shared with these suppliers. Yeah. And you have a lot of PII data that are putting companies at risk now because they don't necessarily understand yeah. how they're sharing it with the third parties. So, yeah. Nick, let me ask you, how can companies approach trying to manage onboarding all of these suppliers. Yeah, sure. I think just going back to a point you raised there, I immediately remember working for one organization where we'd engaged a a third party to do provide a lot of sort of collaboration platforms. And Mm -hmm. it was a fantastic sort of project. Um, Initially, it started off life as a kind of an internal platform and it's you know the popularity the awareness of this you know took off and suddenly what was internal information used as a pilot project suddenly started to find you know client customer use which was fine but it meant that suddenly the risk profile if you like had suddenly changed and um and of course, it was originally built mm-hmm. for something that wasn't the way it was being used for today. And I think that's quite common. You know, you can start to look at some of these cloud providers and they can provide you with technology and solutions that just can transform your the way you do business, which is great. But you've always got to keep a pace with what, you know, what it's actually being used for. Because as you say, if you suddenly start to put on, you know, personal information, confidential data, Mm -hmm. mergers and acquisitions, that changes the risk profile completely, which may be completely out of kilter with what you've agreed in the contract. So, sorry to interrupt, but frequently business people don't understand it. So they are quite happy to agree or to require additional information times to be added to, for example, data sharing. 
requirement yeah. without understanding the consequences of that because they don't have that perspective. Yeah, yeah. I was recently working on a project where we had so much, as a CISO, incoming suppliers to onboard from a security perspective. Yeah. Uh, we had put together some, basically, you know, the templates, you know, basically do an assessment on their security posture of the company. And based on these assessments, we would go deeper if it was touching our PII data. Yeah. But what was apparent, though, is you need a process in procurement to filter out the vendors. You need something along that lines that will go ahead, have some kind of a system in place that will enable you to, as a security department, not get bogged down in doing the security vending in terms of, you know, Doing the and how risky is this supplier? Yeah, you know, is yeah. the supplier touching PIA data? I mean, how much more of an evaluation do you need for the supplier? Yeah, I, I think you're right, and this is something that we hear both from suppliers at CRMG and also from clients. You know, clients want to make life easier for the supplier because they're under pressure to deliver in a time perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, the suppliers also want to be able to feel that they're answering these questionnaires or assessments accurately enough. Going back to your point, I think there has to be some kind of triage approach first, mm-hmm. you know, and it goes back to a point Andrew raised. If you start off with understanding, you know, what are your core services or your critical services that are being provided to your customers, to your clients, and then work that down through to, you know, what are the key systems that support that, the processes that support that, and, oh, these systems are hosted or processes are hosted by these third-party suppliers. So that starts to give you an idea in terms of, you know, what are your most critical suppliers to keep the lights on in your business. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't want to make this sound like an exact science, because I think if you go down that route, you're going to, you're going to trip yourself up. But I do think that there are some fairly straightforward activities that, you know, organizations can take. One is understand the type of service that's being provided. You know, are they providing? And I'm thinking here around the sort of the CINA sort of, you know, uh, triangle. So you've got an organization that's, I don't know, hosting your billing facility and it has to be available 99.9999, you know, whatever that availability is. So naturally, you want to focus on ensuring that that supplier has got good availability controls in place. So if something falls over or website goes down, mm-hmm. you know, backup comes an alternative or a hot site. You know, the other alternative, you've got a third party hosting a lot of personal information. And, you know, that supplier, you need to ensure that you've contained who that supplier shares such information with and you know, focus on the controls that protect the confidentiality of that data. There's some fairly, you know, quick wins, I think, an organization can take in that perspective. Great points, Nick. Thank you for that. Andrew, what's your take on this? Yeah, I think it's a challenge for security practitioners to understand the right way of tackling such a potentially complex undertaking. And I think, um, as Nick um, implied there, by structuring the analysis so that you can um, understand where the information is going. And I think also giving some thought to the actual critical viability of the organisations as well that you're dependent upon, because it's not just about information flows. It is just, some of of it is also about whether an organisation is inherently susceptible for its existential well-being 
to ensure that they will be around to continue supplying you with the sorts of um, uh, services that are required for you to, to yeah. have the organisation. Yeah. Because some of those organisations may be a lot smaller in your supply chain than you realise, and they may not just be subject to the normal things that information security people are concerned about, which is um, uh, resilience and redundancy and, and failover and things like that, but they may have some existential issues mm-hmm. that relate to you know, for example, the financial wherewithal of the organisation. Yeah. You know, I think it's important for organisations to consider an exit strategy. You know, at some point, there may be a divorce, you know, and that supplier has a lot of your data that provides mm-hmm. the ability for this service to run. So you then say, well, okay, so what does that exit strategy does? You know, what does it look like? How can we maintain a good relationship, even though they're not going to get our business? And in the background, you know, how quickly can we transfer or when can we transfer, you know, that service and data over to an alternative supplier? So there are a number of key factors that, you know, that need to be sort of hard coded into the mindset when you're looking at suppliers. But I think this, um, a lot of these factors that we've been talking about can be brought together in a structured Mm. approach. Yeah. In a almost a checklist-based approach, which is triage-driven, Yeah. so that you're, you're focusing on the priorities. Because when you've got thousands of suppliers in your supply chain, then you, you, you've got to be able to sort out the sheep from the goats. It's going to be really, really important. Otherwise, you'll end up wasting, or potentially wasting, a huge amount of effort uh, uh, doing work, which is, um, which is not critical. It's not yeah, that's important right. to the organisation. No, it needs a filtering process for sure. I also found that oftentimes security isn't brought into the security discussion until after the product's already been purchased, which in itself creates all sorts of problems because you may have vendors that are more secure, would have been a better product to do, and yet sometimes the security department is then faced with this vendor that shouldn't have been selected in the first place because it had poor security posture. Yeah, it's it's very true. I think... um, I mean, Andrew's probably got some experience on that. I, I've got some very positive experience from that. We, in a previous company, we had a very close relationship with procurement. We worked really, really well. They just wanted the guidance, you know. Okay, here's a standard MSA, Master Services Agreement, or standard template. This is the type of, you know, service or system or, or technology that's going to be provided by the supplier. We can then do our risk assessment on that. We can then sit down with procurement and we can then start to highlight which controls are missing, which controls are not necessary. I think the the other key thing here to realise is that when your legal team go into discussions with the supplier, there will always be a negotiation exercise, which means that there will be certain clauses because of cost, because of whatever, there'll be certain clauses that the supplier will want to redline out. So what's really important is to ensure that your legal and procurement team understand which of those are kind of nice to have clauses. You know, mm-hmm. we can we can sacrifice those. Which of those, there's no negotiation. They've got to be, you know, in the final contract. Andrew, what's your take on this? Yes, indeed. I think um, the point at which you get the opportunity to uh, get involved in, in these types of exercises where a third party is, um, is being negotiated with or preferably prior to that is, is really, really important. Sometimes it's the case just purely from, a, um, from the necessity of, um, of minimising the number of people involved in a particularly sensitive undertaking where security 
may not get involved until quite late in the process. So you need to be ready. You need to be ready to go on, on the beat of bang, really, to do whatever due diligence, whatever assessment that you can do on the third party. I mean, I've worked in, in many organisations where third parties have been managing important aspects of the infrastructure for an organisation. They've been looking after data, which is of sensitive nature, and the organisations themselves, the third parties, have not been particularly well run. There have been lots of security issues with them. And trying to get back to a position where they are secure is often extremely difficult from that, yeah. from that particular point and can cause quite a lot of lack of focus on the part of the third party. Once they've got the contract signed, they're not as motivated as they were pre-contract. There's no question. Nick and Andrew, I think this is a good, a good time to wrap up. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to both of you. Nick, how can people find out more about CRMG? Sure. Well, I guess there's the website, which is crmg-consult.com. Uh, there you'll find a snapshot of who we all are in the team and the consultants, the services we provide. We've got some really good uh, leading thinking articles on there. Alternatively, uh, reach out to myself, nick.frost at crmg consult.com. Any ideas, any thoughts, anything we can help you with, let me know. Excellent. Well, signing off for today. Thanks, gentlemen. Thanks. Thank you.